Hotter than a June day in Dixie. We are the Y'all Show coming at you on a Tuesday. Good to be back with you. I'm General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American, and it is wonderful to be here in the host chair for what's going to be the next three hours of Southern fun and Southern information and maybe a little Southern inspiration if we can mix it all in on today's Y'all show. That's the plan, at least. Let's hope that yours truly does not kind of fall asleep on the job and we get through this exciting Tuesday show. I'm going to do it. I promise you. We're going to have a a dang good time. Hope y'all are doing good. It's always wonderful to be with you and share the incredible happenings and goings-on of the South. And boy, we got some good stuff that we're going to cover on today's Y'all show, including some news headlines Vice President Kamala Harris is hanging out in the South these days as she's on a tour to try to get people vaccinated. And she was in South Carolina on Monday. We're going to have some audio of her in Greenville in our news headlines from across the Southeast. Also, a killing in Atlanta over the wearing of a mask. And I'll bring you the latest from there. Plus, five police officers in Savannah, Georgia, fired after a suspect dies in custody there in that portion of coastal Georgia. Those headlines coming your way. And, of course, we always try to mix in some of the most unusual stuff going on across the southeast here. And including with that is the fact that we're going to let you know about a Pulitzer Prize winner from Memphis, Katori Hall. I'll tell you how she's just won a Pulitzer as that is a great honor, and she, the Memphian, has won that. Plus, speaking of music, how about Louisiana? As it now has designated the song, Louisiana great song, Southern Nights, made famous by Alan Toussaint, and a jazz composer, composer that did a great job on Southern Nights. That's now been designated Louisiana State Cultural Song. I'll play a portion of that as we go through our headlines here on this Tuesday Y'all Show. Also, we'll give you the latest with the NBA playoffs, and we also will share with you some social media fun here in hour number one of today's Y'all Show. Then we've got a lot of political happenings going on across the Southeast, some news from the Democratic nominee for the governor of Georgia, or rather the governor of Virginia, and that's Terry McAuliffe, a former governor of Virginia, who's running again, and some information coming from the Commonwealth on McAuliffe, plus other political headlines, including Marjorie Green, the congressman from northwest Georgia. She apologized on Monday for comments she'd made earlier about comparing the wearing of vaccination stickers and or signs to Jews in the Holocaust having to wear the Star of David. She's walked that back. I'll give you what she said, the apology, when we get to our political report later this hour all that right here on the first hour of y'all plus we'll give you plenty of good stuff in hour number two a look at entertainment headlines an actor actually killed in new york city because she was riding a scooter and i'll let you know who that was as she's come to her injuries after about a week of lying in the hospital critically injured and now she's passed away i'll let you know about that in our entertainment headlines today some good news coming out of nashville we'll share with you all of that. Plus, in hour two today, the old barbecue barrister is going to be lined up and coming at you with another barbecue report. This time, pellets are on his mind, and he's not going out to try to catch a squirrel. No, 
He's talking about barbecue pellets. And if you're not familiar with that, and I'm not that familiar with it myself, I've got my pen and paper out. I'm going to learn a whole lot about barbecue pellets, and we're going to do that with our barbecue barrister in hour number two of today's Y'all Show. Plus, we'll give you an update on what's on the pages of Y'all, the South's homepage. That's all coming up hour two. Hour three today, more sports information we'll be sharing with you. And then, if you have a canine, and if you like having mail delivered to your house, chances are you do the right thing. But there's some people out there who do not know how to control their animals. And postal service workers are attacked almost every day across the country. And we've got information coming out. It's the USPS Dog Attack National Rankings. And this lists cities where dog attacks on postal workers are more common. And it's not good news for the South. we got to do something about controlling our animals and we'll have that information in hour number three. Kobe Bennett's got a southern accent on the arts, plus your phone calls and text 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all 24-7. We would love to hear from you. Your opinion is always welcome here on Talk with a Southern Accent. So that is what's coming up today. Let's go into the headlines of the Southeast today. And the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in Nashville this week. We told you on Monday how thousands of people are flocking to Music City. The uh, buckle of the Bible Belt That's what I learned because that is the home of the Southern Baptist Convention. And news Monday from the SBEC or the SBC's executive committee as they decided to not put before the convention the executive committee decided to stop a push for an independent committee to lead a probe of its handling of sex abuse cases. The proposal is almost certain to resurface when the nation's largest denomination holds this annual meeting, the the largest one they've had in decades. But the executive committee deciding to not put forward this motion to have an independent committee to lead a probe of how Baptist leaders and churches and more people involved with the Southern Baptist Church have been involved in sex abuse cases similar to the Catholic Church. Similar. I won't say it's exactly the same, but yes, this committee voting down a proposal for a task force that was presented Monday by member Jared Wellman during a meeting of the governing body. Wellman was also seeking to expand the scope of the probe to all paid, appointed, and elected leaders past or present. The issue is likely to come up today at the meeting in Nashville where more than 17,000 voting delegates are pre-registered for this week's event at the Bridgestone Arena in downtown Nashville. Now, the Southern Baptist Convention's executive committee takes care of SBC business between annual meetings, but during the gatherings themselves, it is voting delegates from the denomination's churches that are in charge. But Right now, the Southern Baptist Convention with a very big controversy going on, and that's just in the sex abuse claims. At least one prominent black pastor has announced that he will leave the denomination if a certain person is reelected, and that's Mike Stone, a pastor from Georgia who's a candidate for SBC president. So now this pastor saying that they're going to leave, and they uh, just—it's a lot of a lot of when I mean, you got that many people together. In a, in a building, no matter what the subject is, you're going to have some issues. Now, the Southern Baptist Church claims it has 14 million members. The denomination has been shrinking, though, 
in the last few years, and some see they need to go after non-white pastors and congregations to survive. And that's an issue going on with the church. And the Southern Baptist Church, if you look at its history, it actually was formed around the mid-19th century, and slavery was a portion uh, or big part of the formation of the Southern Baptist Church, as I think it split from the Baptist Church over the fact that Southern Baptist, and I should know what I'm talking about here, but I think I'm right on this, they were in favor of slavery at that time, or keeping the way slavery was set up in the mid-19th century. I think I'm right on that. And uh, and so that's been a thing that a lot of Baptist leaders, Southern Baptists specifically, have tried to kind of sugarcoat and hide over these years. It was 160 years ago. I, I don't know why they have to necessarily go around apologizing. It, it is the history of the church, and there's plenty of minority members and pastors also within the Southern Baptist Convention. But that's just one of the many issues, the race issue, going on within the Southern Baptist Convention going on in Nashville this week. In Mississippi, a tragic story. Uh, This one's right out of Dateline on NBC, sadly. A former state representative, Ashley Henley, found shot dead at the same home her sister-in-law was killed in just a few months ago. Now, Ashley Henley represented South Haven in DeSoto County in northwest Mississippi in Mississippi's House of Representatives from 2016 to 2019. And now she's been found dead in Yalabusha County. That is Water Valley, Coffeyville, that portion of North Mississippi. According to the Yalabusha County coroner, the former lawmaker discovered dead outside a trailer in Water Valley just before 10 o'clock on Sunday and was found with an apparent gunshot wound. Her husband said that his wife was shot in the back of the head while doing yard work around 2 o'clock on Sunday. Now, her sister-in-law, Christina Michelle Jones, was found dead inside that same trailer back on December 26. Relatives say she died in a fire that was intentionally set the previous day. Some real weird things going on in Water Valley. Now, Mr. Henley said he last saw his wife around 11 o'clock Sunday morning where she left South Haven for Water Valley. That's about an hour, 15-minute drive or so. By 8 o'clock, he still had not heard from her, so he had a neighbor in Water Valley go to check on her. And he said that they pulled up and she was nowhere to be found. And investigators discovered her body around 10 p.m. on Sunday evening. And officials have not said if her death is connected to her sister-in-law's death. But, yes, this is all within the same trailer, all in the same portion of North Mississippi. Two members of the family being killed in very mysterious circumstances in that portion of the magnolia state a grocery store cashier in atlanta was killed and three other people wounded on monday following a shooting that followed an argument over the wearing of face mask in a supermarket in decatur decab county this is where this happened the sheriff melody maddox said the shooting occurred inside the big bear supermarket in decatur while people were inside the business a female cashier, cashier killed when a man opened fire. According to Sheriff Maddox, there was some confrontation and argument, and she's not sure what over, but a reference to the wearing of mask, at which time the subject pulled out a weapon and shot the cashier. The customer, 
identified as 30-year-old Victor Lee Tucker of Palmetto, Georgia. And hopefully he's behind bars. I think that is what we hope so. Tucker walked back to the cashier, pulled out a handgun, and shot her right there in Georgia and others wounded. This supermarket located near the gallery at South DeKalb Mall and and Decatur is about six miles due east of downtown Atlanta. But an awful situation there with someone getting ticked off over face mask and shooting someone and killing them and injuring others. And this is in the Atlanta area. Violence in metro Atlanta, nearly 60% more murders so far in 2021 amid a crime wave that has been going on in Atlanta. There have been 58% more borders, or 63 in all, reported so far in 2021. That was just 40 murders this time in 2020. And we've seen murders in the area of all kinds of reasons or sometimes no reason given. But yes, murders way up in Atlanta, and I'm afraid that's a similar story going around the rest of the country at this point with a rise in crime and we hope that that number goes down that was one of the only positives of being shut down for several months in 2020 was the fact that some things like murders usually went down i won't say that was always the case but now we're back out of and going and unfortunately people are killing and it just really does not make any sense In Savannah, Georgia, the police department said there that it has fired five officers in connection with the death of a man who authorities in Savannah say killed himself while left alone in a police interview room. The Savannah PD confirmed the firings of these five former officers as it was first announced by the attorney for the family of the man who died, 60-year-old man named William Harvey. Harvey was found dead on April 3rd at Savannah's police headquarters where he was being questioned in connection with an aggravated assault. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation released findings of its investigations back on April 16th, saying that evidence showed that Mr. Harvey died after hanging himself with his own shoelaces while left alone in in an interview room. Police officers fired for policy violations related to Harvey's interview. Five Georgia police officials there in Savannah released after again this gentleman hung himself and it should not happen there and in an interrogation room where there ought to be cameras and more to kind of keep an eye out on the suspect when they're in custody also in georgia lots of news coming out of the peach state today a 39 year old man accused of shooting and wounding five people in columbus georgia and just across the river in phoenix city alabama this 39 year old man is now telling police his assaults were racially motivated as he was targeting white men. Wouldn't you call that a hate crime? If there ever is a definition of a hate crime, I would think so. Justin Tyron Roberts, a black man, told police that white men had picked on him and wronged him for his whole life, and so he decided to take revenge and went out shooting people, and he wounded several People. He's accused of shooting five people in three separate assaults in Columbus and in Phoenix City. All the victims, thankfully, are expected to recover. The police found no evidence that Roberts knew any of the victims that he shot. He just randomly went shooting what he says white men. And therefore, 
he's now in jail and being evaluated for a mental health. But why am I just down telling you this? I doubt you've seen or heard much about this story. And this guy specifically said he was racially targeting people. Like, luckily, this 39-year-old did not kill any of these people in the twin states of Georgia and Alabama there. Kamala Harris was in Greenville, South Carolina. She is on a tour to try to bring awareness of people getting the vaccine. And so she flew to the upstate of South Carolina. That was one of several southern states that she's now touring here this week in an effort to, again, publicize how the South's trailing the rest of the country in terms of getting the vaccination. And Kamala Harris right there at a site in Greenville Monday talking to people who were volunteering to get vaccines injected into people in the upstate. Let's go now and hear the vice president talking about her effort to vaccinate Southerners. Um, I was just at another location. I said, you know, this is really an extension of what we say about love thy neighbor, right? Because you're doing it for yourself, but, but also for your community. You're doing it for people you may never meet, people who may never know your name. But because of the leadership and the initiative you've taken, it's literally going to be about saving lives. And it's, the vaccine is safe. It, you know, some people say, oh, I don't know, because it just seems like they just came up with that vaccine. Well, no, actually, and this is why it's important to have all the accurate information out there. The vaccinations are the, 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 the end result of decades of research that went into it, right? And some people say, well, I don't know, I don't, I don't have the money to pay for it. No, they're free. And then part of what we're doing also to make sure that we deal with some of the other barriers is we're making sure that there's free childcare available for people who work and have children and are concerned they can't get to go to get the vaccine because they don't have childcare, somebody to take care of their children. And we're also making sure that there's free childcare for folks who, if you know, the day after you get the vaccine, you feel a little under the weather. And if you need help with childcare, that too. We've been encouraging employers to say, give people paid leave, paid time off to go get the vaccine. We've also, Uber and Lyft have agreed to give free rides to people. You know about that? Did you get one? No, but yeah, but see, so that some people, you know, not everybody has a car. Not everybody has access to public transportation near where they live, right? Or where they go to work. So these are some of the things we're doing to break down the barriers. But I'm here in Greenville because there, there, there are a good number of people in Greenville, South Carolina, who haven't said they're not going to get it, but haven't yet made the decision to get the vaccine. And so one of the most effective ways, again, as an extension of Love Thy Neighbor, one of the most effective ways to really talk with people is to, have, is to talk you know, over the fence, literally or figuratively, with the neighbors, right? And so that's about the work all of you are doing, to talk with your family members and your friends and your coworkers, and just remind them this is about saving life. All right, that was Monday in Greenville, South Carolina. Not a doctor, but a vice president speaking about the vaccine. Kamala Harris giving everybody no excuse to not get the vaccine. I get the whole taking time off and employers not necessarily docking people's pay to go get the vaccine i'm not so sure how many of you out there are going to take advantage of the free daycare available while you're getting your 
vaccine. I've had the vaccine. It took about 20 minutes, and most of that time was you over there in the corner just making sure you don't collapse. I think the kids could be quiet for five, ten minutes while you're sitting in a chair chilling out, making sure you don't collapse. I'm not sure who came up with the idea of having daycare and then the whole daycare the day after. And and honestly, if you're a parent, would you really want to have daycare for a stranger to come in for a day, just one day while you're recovering from a vaccine? I don't know who comes up with these plans. But Kamala Harris is out trying to get people vaccinated and good on her for doing that while she's here in the South this week as the South has lagged uh, behind the rest of the country so far and she's trying to save lives so there she has love thy neighbor and she's doing that here this week in north carolina two army paratroopers have been found dead at fort bragg in what's been reported as a drug related incident found unresponsive and declared dead on the scene in that portion of north carolina where fort bragg is located and they were evidently found friday off of the post there off of fort jackson and and the barracks allegedly found because of illicit drugs a criminal investigation command is working on this scene and they have credible information that unnamed drugs involved and the death of these soldiers the soldiers identified as specialist joshua diamond of plymouth massachusetts and private first class matthew disney of aberdeen Maryland. The Army said the field artillery firefinder radar operators were part of the 2nd Battalion, 319th Airborne Field Artillery Regiment, 2nd Brigade Combat Team. Unfortunate news coming from the United States Army in this evidently drug-related incident at Fort Bragg. Speaking of drugs, 69 pounds of cocaine have been found hidden on a cruise ship. Security workers for the ship reportedly discovered garbage bags containing bricks of white powder hidden in one of the ship's voids. And this ship, as it was making its way to Florida, now seized by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, seizing nearly 70 pounds of coke. And it was discovered on this cruise ship. A large stash of the drug was found during an inspection by the ship's security team. Customs and Border Protection officers made the seizure According to a press release from CBT, the cruise ship security team found multiple garbage bags full of these brick-shaped packages while still off the coast of Florida, and now this has been seized. The CBP officers met the ship when it docked at Florida's Port Everglades. A field test of the substance identified it as cocaine. Where's Miami Vice when you need them? (laughs) Sonny, come get them. 69 pounds of, I don't ever remember an episode of Miami Vice where they found cocaine on a cruise ship, but that's what just happened this week in the Sunshine State. We're going to move over from talking about the news of the South in the next segment. Stay tuned because we're going to have a little bit of information about the goings-on of the sports world of the South, and that is coming up here as we continue on with the show that covers everything southern if you want to be involved it's so easy to do 803-816-1170 update on the nba playoffs an update on two more teams and the final two teams punching their ticket to omaha as an acc team and an sec team both got big victories 
on Monday. We'll tell you who that is when the Y'all Show continues. Fight, 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 fight. Mississippi State, woo! Dang right. How about those Bulldogs? They're Omaha bound. And so are the UVA Cavaliers. Welcome back. It is time to talk a little college baseball and more sports here on this Tuesday Y'all Show. And yeah, what a big, what a big Monday it was for a couple of southern teams some southern boys if you will as two teams from dixie punched the last two tickets to omaha and that included chris lamonis's fighting bull pups from octibi hall county mississippi as msu in front of a gigantic crowd at duty noble gets the win over notre dame and they take the best of three series with a big win monday evening and they were loaded up there enjoying all the delicious drinks and great food served up at places like the Little Dewey in Starkville. 11-7, MSU gets the victory over the Irish, and MSU moves on to the College World Series. Chris Lavonis is only in his technically third, but realistically second season of leading the Maroon and White, as in his second season, the whole college baseball year got shut down because of the virus so he's really been coaching two full seasons and the former indiana coach the former citadel bulldog who in 1990 his bulldog team from the citadel went to the college world series and won a game lost two to lsu we won't hold that against the military college of south carolina but now as a coach chris lamonis has taken Mississippi State, the citadel of college baseball in the state of Mississippi, if you will, the Gibraltar along the west bank of the Tim Tom Waterway. (laughs) And he's taken, because I don't think there's a river in Starkville. I've never seen one when I've been cruising the streets of Stark, Vegas. And in his second full season, he's taken Mississippi State back to the college world series way to go bulldog fans way to go in picking this guy and he's done a great job in fact his old college roommate along the ashley river in charleston when they were both citadel bulldog teammates dan mcdonald is the coach of the louisville cardinals a guy who's taken that program to several world series appearances and louisville didn't even make the postseason this year so msu is in the college world series for Gosh knows, I've lost count how many times they've gone out there. And as they will hold up signs when they make it to Omaha here here in the next few days, you'll see signs all over TD Ameritrade Park that says, Omaha, 
and that is actually not just the name of the city. It's an abbreviation, O-M-A-H-A. And do y'all know what O-M-A-H-A stands for? And Landshark fans, you might want to turn down the radio for just a second. Omaha stands for Ole Miss Ain't Here Again. (laughs) And they ain't. They are not there as they fell on Sunday to Arizona. But this is about Mississippi State. MSU gets to go after winning 11-7. And Virginia is also in the College World Series. As UVA rallies from losing their first game against Dallas Baptist, and they knock off the Patriots Monday in Columbia, South Carolina, 5-2, the Hoos advance from the ACC. Virginia won the national championship about five years ago. In fact, this is UVA's first appearance in Omaha since the year that they won the national championship. I'm trying to remember, did they beat South Carolina? I think they did. I think that's who they beat. It's been a few years ago. But yes, Virginia moves on to the College World Series with a 5-2 victory Monday. Now, what about the bracket for the CWS of 2021? The bracket breaks into two different categories. And so bracket one is Vanderbilt, Arizona, Stanford, NC State, Vanderbilt will be taking on Arizona in its first game in Omaha, while Stanford and the Cardiac Pack out of Raleigh, NC State, get together on the diamond in their first matchup of the College World Series. And then whoever emerges from that bracket will play in the National Championship Finals to be played in about two weeks. Then you got bracket two. Bracket two includes both UTs, the University of Texas, the University of Tennessee, The Big Orange, their first game in the College World Series will be against the Virginia Cavaliers. And so check out that when it gets going over the weekend. Mississippi State, its first game in the College World Series will come against the Horns out of the Big 12. And the College World Series lasts from June 19th through June 30th. All games televised on either ESPN, ESPN2, or ESPNU all broadcasting from TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha, Nebraska. Check it out, and it'll be filling up the airwaves of that network for the next few weeks starting this weekend, and a great opportunity for you to catch some good college sports and college baseball with the addition of these teams. And if you count them up, and I just did, but if you count them up, six of the eight teams that will be playing in Omaha call Dixie home. And they are the Vanderbilt Commodores. Way to go, Tim Corbin and company, the defending national champion, Vanderbilt Commodores of college baseball. Elliott Avon and NC State is your second team from the South in the College World Series. Then you got the Texas Longhorns, a great baseball program, but back in Omaha for the first time in a while. UT will be there representing the Big 12. The UT Volunteers, as in the Tennessee Vols, back in Omaha for the first time in about 15 years. They represent the South. Mississippi State, I've talked about them enough here in this segment. MSU, back to Omaha. And remember, Omaha, Ole Miss ain't here again. And then Virginia is back into the College World Series. The last time UVA, the Hoos, were in Omaha, they walked away with the national championship. If you like baseball... Get ready. It's going to be really fun. And the way ESPN usually works this thing out, 
they'll have the College World Series last until about mid July, and then somewhere late July, early August, they got the Little League World Series back on ESPN, and that'll take up about a month of coverage when that gets going from Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And I always have a gripe with that thing because if you're a kid growing up in the South playing baseball, you're either right now mostly playing travel ball, so you're not really eligible to play in the Little League World Series, or you're like me, you played Dixie Youth Baseball growing up. Dixie Youth teams don't get to play in the College World Series. And then the other Dizzy Ding Leagues and whatever other small leagues out there for baseball players growing up in their young formative years, they're not, unless you're officially a member of the Little League baseball system you can't play in the little league world series so that's why they normally are dominated by teams not from the south because most southern states don't use that system for their little league format but right now the hottest thing going in baseball for kids is these travel ball leagues and that's a whole nother subject that i'll just have to get on a soapbox and tell you about sometime i don't know how credible these things are at least the way that local municipalities essentially shut out kids who aren't part of travel ball and they let the travel ball teams kind of take over is that fair to the people in the local community who built a lot of these parks i don't know i might have somebody come on here that knows more about it than me and hopefully somebody knows more about baseball than me how about nba basketball we had the nba playoffs continue on monday an update from atlanta I thought they were the Atlanta Hawks, but for the second time in the playoff time that we're in right now, the team that's supposed to be the Hawks are out there wearing jerseys that say MLK instead of Atlanta, and MLK defeats the 76ers 103-100 on Monday. MLK has now knotted up the Eastern semifinals with a two-games-apiece record with that series, so it moves on to game five in a few days utah the jazz fell to the la clippers on monday and a little bit of a surprise there as both of these teams are fighting to get a chance to play in the western conference championship in just a few days but the clips end up prevailing in staples center on monday over the jazz and so now that series looks a lot different today than it did on monday it's tied up at two games apiece after L.A. wins 118-104. to On the NBA hard court on this 15th day of June, only one game scheduled. It's the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. That series has now been tied up. And this game on this Tuesday from Barclays Center in Brooklyn, it tips off at 8.30 Brooklyn time on TNT. Milwaukee, the underdog in this one, going into the matchup here on this Tuesday. Now to the NFL and Trevor Lawrence, the rookie quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is now kind of taking it easy in the mandatory minicamp that's going on for Urban Meyer's ball club because his hamstring has forced him out of team drills on the first day of minicamp. Did the Jacksonville Jaguars in their first pick in the 2021 draft pick a lemon? Is this guy going to be bit by the injury bug going forward the rest of his career is he going to take their money and run i'm not sure about all that but yes the tightness that lawrence had last week in otas has now re-emerged during the first day of this mandatory minicamp in duval 
and the Jags now have to keep him out of team drills. Coach Meyer said it's likely that this will happen today as well as the coach said that trainers and the passing game coordinator Brian Schottenheimer are a little cautious right now on Trevor Lawrence because they know that when you're a month out, you yank a hamstring now, you're going to miss the early part of training camp. That's the one muscle that you guys have all seen it like I have. You pull a hamstring at this point, you're going to miss all your summer conditioning, and so we're being somewhat conservative on it. But he actually could play a game if he had to. Okay, well, that's good news for all you Jag fans and all you fans who've gone out in recent days and purchased your number 16 Jaguars jersey featuring the former Clemson gunslinger, now your Jacksonville Jaguar gunslinger in the northeast corner of the state of Florida. I was just in Trevor's hometown over the weekend there in north the northwest corner of Georgia. I didn't see any signs on the interstate that said, welcome to Trevor Lawrence's hometown. I bet it's coming, though. It's coming real soon. Speaking of football, how about a guy who isn't necessarily in the NFL right now, but he should be there. He should be there real soon, at least, and join his big brother, Luke McCaffrey. We've got a Luke McCaffrey update. The younger brother of Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers. He was a quarterback at Nebraska before he decided to pick up from Lincoln and move to Louisville. He was only in Louisville for a short minute with the Louisville Cardinals before deciding, you know what, I'm going to take my talent and go somewhere else. And now the former Nebraska and Louisville quarterback has announced that he will be transferring to the Rice Owls for the upcoming season. The Owls confirming his signing on Monday, noting that he will join the team for summer workouts and begin competing for the starting job in preseason camps. Now, he left Nebraska in February, transferring to the Louisville Cardinals, and was only there a short time. Coach Louisville Cardinals coach Scott Satterfield said last week that McCaffrey wants to be a starting quarterback and after three or four days decided that maybe that wasn't going to happen at the U of L. So he takes his toys and runs to Houston now and he'll have a chance to perhaps be the Owls quarterback when the 2021 season begins. Not only is he the younger brother of Christian McCaffrey, this quarterback is the son of former NFL Denver Bronco Ed McCaffrey and he was a ESPN number four dual threat quarterback coming out of high school, the number 141 overall player in the 2019 recruiting class. The coach of Rice is Mike Bloomgren, and he coached Christian McCaffrey at Stanford as a team as the offensive coordinator for the Stanford Cardinal back in the Pac-12. But now this guy who has a connection to the McCaffrey family, Coach Bloomgren, getting a chance to keep the McCaffrey tradition going within his coaching resume, if you will, and having a chance to have Luke McCaffrey be a Rice Owl. And wouldn't it be nice, all you Rice Owl fans, if your team somehow caught fire and did really well? Duke has done really well, at least for a few years over the last decade. Vanderbilt has even done really well with James Franklin there. They've kind of fallen off the roller coaster here lately but they have done well rice it is time your time is now it is time for the owls out of cusa to get it going and make rice great again (laughs) hey what's cooking rice 
When we come back on the Y'all Show, we will switch over and have a little social media fun for a moment before the end of the hour. We've got a look at some Southern political news. It's all right here on the show that covers everything Southern. We'll be back. Back into the show covering everything Southern. And our website is y'all.com. And on Facebook, you can find us at y'all.com. And on our social media platforms, we go in and we find some of the dangest thing out there to talk about. This is why we call this little portion of our show hashtag hullabaloo. And on social media, we go now here in this portion of today's y'all show to Ren. The official underscore R-Y-N on social media. A 27-year-old singer-songwriter in Alabama is Wren. And Wren writes this week, Wren had a lovely stay at the Babcock House in Virginia this weekend. And we have to find out where the heck the Babcock House in Virginia is because Wren had a lovely stay. The crack research team here at the Y'all Show did a little digging. And we found that the Babcock House in Virginia is actually located in Appomattox, Virginia. Are you all familiar with that little town? Well, you should be. It's where the war between the states came to an end. That's where Robert E. Lee surrendered to U.S. Grant. And there in Appomattox, a town I have yet to go to because I haven't surrendered myself to go there quite yet. But I'm going to. I'm going to declare war that I'm going to Appomattox and stay at the Babcock House thanks to Wren's great praise and saying that they had a lovely stay at the Babcock house. It is a bed and breakfast. It is a turn of the century inn that dates back to 1884. It was the boyhood home of the nationally known author, Dr. Havila Babcock. The inn has five bedrooms and one suite, all furnished with period antiques. It also has other amenities that you might like, like private baths and, oh yeah, a cable TV. Room rates include a full breakfast. You can relax in the evening on one of the verandas and have a glorious setting right there outside of Lynchburg, Virginia. Catering is available also as they have private parties on the premise. The Babcock Inn available for reception, showers, cocktail parties, brunches, and more. You can call them at 434-352-7532 to learn more or go to the website, Babcock House. Dot com. That's B-A-B-C-O-C-K house.com. Babcockhouse.com in Appomattox, Virginia. It is a B&B, and according to Wren, at the official underscore R-Y-N, a lovely stay at the Babcock House this weekend. And if you want to have your own stay there, go check them out. Look at the photos and book your next stay if you'd like to check it out. And the site where Robert E. Lee laid down his sword appomattox virginia we got one last segment here of this first hour coming at you after this break we're going to talk a little southern politics find out what's going on in places like the commonwealth of virginia but also other news going on across the south in terms of politics that's up next as the y'all show the tuesday edition 
continues. We're back on the show all about the South. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with the show covering everything Southern. And I'm looking at the calendar. It is the 15th day of June, which means we're now one, two, almost almost three weeks, but less than three weeks away from the 4th of July. It will be here on, hey, this year the 4th of July is going to be on July 4th. <laughs> And this year, I'm only telling you this because things have been so upside down across the world last year. And one thing that made the world upside down is Washington, D.C., July 4th, 2020, was unlike any Washington, D.C. we've ever seen from a 4th of July celebration. It was more of a air show, it looked like, there at the White House with President Trump leading that best he could do, frankly because of the way things have been shut down. But this year, on Independence Day, President Joe Biden wants to make Independence Day great again as he's going to give the green light to have a 4th of July Independence from Virus Bash. That's what it's being called. So if you want to make your plans now and get to the nation's capital, look for a gigantic fireworks display over the National Mall. And you can just have a great time. And you'll be able to hold small cookouts, perhaps, around the country by the 4th of July. But you can go to Washington, D.C. on the nation's birthday and have a wonderful time. Again, what's they're being called a day to celebrate Independence Day and a chance to get out of the pandemic. As Biden has said, by that day, there's a good chance you, your families, and friends will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. And now we also know that that includes heading to the nation's capital and having a big 4th of July. I love to see the big fireworks display, even if it's on television. And, of course, the great music played there. And the Stars and Stripes Forever. <laughs> that song gets me every time. Almost as good as my favorite song in the world. In fact, I heard my favorite song on Monday when I was eating lunch. And I'm going to have to share before today's over that memory because I had a good lunch on Monday. So good that I thought I might be at my own funeral because two of my most favorite songs that will be played if I have a funeral were played while I was sitting there eating lunch. And so I started looking around and making sure the ceiling wasn't about to come crashing down on me at kind of kind of enjoyable but kind of creepy at the same time (laughs) all right representative marjorie green of north georgia has now apologized and she went and visited the holocaust museum right there by the national mall in washington dc this week apologizing for her remarks about comparing the holocaust to the controversy over wearing mm, sign stickers having something showing that you'd been vaccinated And Representative Green of Georgia apologized on Monday with a brief news conference outside the Capitol, and she said she was truly sorry and wants to own her mistakes, as she described what she had said earlier as offensive and hurtful. 
pretty bold for her to come out there. She's a, a lady that has generally dug her boots in the sand and has not yielded. But she came out Monday, apologized, saying there is no comparison to the Holocaust, to the Holocaust, and made that Monday a pretty slow news day, frankly, with the president out of the country. But she's done that. I don't know what led her to do this, but she did it. So good on her for making the apology. And as her fellow congressman from South Carolina, Nancy Mace, even came up with a chart that said, essentially, it was kind of done in fun, but you never compare anything to the Holocaust. There is no comparison. And Representative Green now has learned that lesson. Terry McAuliffe, the former governor of Virginia, who wants to be the governor again, calls critical race theory concerns a right-wing conspiracy. As McAuliffe said, this is totally made up by Donald Trump and Glenn Youngkin. That is the gentleman that is the Republican nominee in the race to be the next governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And McAuliffe, who's the Democratic nominee, the former governor, who in Virginia you're only allowed to serve one term, He's trying to get a second term after sitting out several years. He's now dismissing this whole thing about race teaching and such as a right-wing conspiracy and saying that it was made up by Trump and his opponent. It's a conspiracy theory, according to McAuliffe. He told Fox News host Tucker Carlson that it just seems, or this is someone familiar with this, said something to the contrary, but McAuliffe, who's likely going to win this just because Virginia has become such a solid blue state in recent years, now coming out on the offensive against his opponent and the previous president of the United States. Now, in 2020, I think it was 2020, gosh, it seems a million years ago now, there was not only a presidential election, there was a U.S. Senate race that was pretty big in the South, and that was between Lindsey Graham and Jamie Somebody, I've already forgotten his name. It was the most expensive Senate race in the history of the United States. Well, it looks like that's going to get outdone in 2022. The Marco Rubio Senate seat is up for grabs as he's looking for a re-election. And he's got an opponent in the current congressman from Florida, Val Demings, former police officer, and I think a police chief in the Orlando area. She's challenging Rubio in 2022, and now it looks like this could be the most expensive race as she, in her campaign to become the first female senator from Florida, she's hauled in roughly a million dollars a day after she declared her Senate candidacy. And Rubio, with his connections, has plenty of financial benefactors as well. Look for, if you're in Florida, I feel sorry for you for the next year. You're going to be you're going to be inundated with campaign stuff coming in your mail, especially if you're one of those on the fence type voters, and they don't have you down solid in one corner. You're going to get stuff in the mail. You're going to get phone calls. It really it really is ridiculous how some of this stuff goes. I feel sorry for you, Sunshine State residents, because this one Senate race in 2022. Never mind the fact two years later you got a presidential election that you're going to get inundated with material and look for this one to be the most expensive Senate race in American history when it happens over the next course of the next year. 
in the Sunshine State. And that is a quick look at Southern politics here in our Southern Political Report of the show all about the South. That also concludes this first hour. Hold on to your hat because we got a whole nother hour of y'all coming your way. Entertainment headlines, some news from New York City that we'll be sharing. It's actually sad news we'll have as far as actress has died after an accident. We'll tell you about that. And then we'll also tell you some stuff out of Music City, USA. Plus, in hour two, our barbecue barrister, Matt Hermans will be dropping by with a report on barbecue pellets. Are they worth it? We'll have all that coming on your way on the show that covers Dixie. Why don't you say we get back together for another hour of talking about the South? Do I have a motion? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the motion carries. We're going to do this one more time, and then we'll do it another time after that. I, I'm sure we will. I'm confident. I'm John Rawl, your friendly Southerner, your friend, your companion, your guide on all things Southern. That's why they call me General John Rawl. I am the South's General CSA Certified southern american and it is my job troops to march you through the day with your head held up high because you are right here in the south and you're southern and proud of it and you should be because we have a very special place and this is a very special show that shows off this very special spot we call dixie in our second hour today we've got entertainment headlines beyonce news the houston texas crooner has a big big week and i'll tell you why and she's got multiple reasons to have a big big week that's part of our entertainment headlines on today's y'all show plus some news out of music city as we cover the south from an entertainment standpoint here in other ways as well also i I get emotional so bear with me here i gotta catch my breath I, i get emotional when i start talking about our our very special guest coming aboard here in this hour too. It's our barbecue barrister, Matt Hermans. And he's going to be on to talk about something that, frankly, he and I just, we we haven't gone there yet. But we're going to do that today. And you're going to have to sit along and enjoy and learn from this conversation as we really, he and I get very intimate. Talking about pellets, barbecue pellets to be specific. And do you have a pellet cooker? Do you know what a pellet cooker is? I mean, the whole world's upside down. Are you trying to tell me you can go outside and cook up a mean barbecue chicken or grill a steak and you don't even have to use charcoal or wood? You can use something called pellets? You can't be serious. Sounds like John McEnroe playing ten- You can't be serious. Yeah, I am serious, but is Matt Herman's going to go for it? Is he going to be in the pellet camp, or is he going to be a pellet hater? We'll find out when our barbecue basher is on in just a few minutes. Can't wait for that. Also, before Hour 2 wraps, we'll have an update on all things y'all.com. Did you know y'all is the official homepage of the South? And we have so much good stuff up there 
interviews galore, videos galore, and more coming. And I'm going to share with you some of the fun stuff up at y'all.com right now. All that right here on y'all. And included at y'all.com is the podcast option for you to click on. It's a big red and white tab at the top. Can't miss it unless you're colorblind. (laughs) Red and white. Click on there and you'll see the podcast option for this right here, the Y'all Show. And you can also find video interviews from this right here, the Y'all Show, all at y'all.com. And if you miss our podcast and you're looking for other ways to kind of keep up with this this here show that we call the Y'all Show, we are in Apple Podcast. We are on Stitcher. We're in iHeartRadio, the app for that. Just search for Y'all Show and we're right there. Next time you're in the carpool line and you're just sick and tired of what's on the radio, you can pull up The Y'all Show as a podcast. We're also, in addition to Our Heart Radio, we're on TuneIn Radio. And we're just growing leaps and bounds, and we thank you for being a part of the fun. And we're going to do our best to give you three hours each day of conversation that is uplifting and down home southern that's what we're trying to do and thank you for being a part of the show and if you want to email us got to throw that out there mail m-a-i-l mail at y'all.com is how you can drop us a note and you don't even have to pay the dollar and 99 cents that a stamp might cost you to do that i think it's still around 50 cents but it's going up we reported on that here in recent days Entertainment-wise across the Southeast, Beyonce has celebrated her twins' birthday with a tribute on her website. The Houston-based singer posted a message Sunday for Rumi and Sir Carter, who have turned four, and she wrote to her twins, What's better than one gift? Two. Happy birthday, Rumi and Sir. Now, Beyonce and her husband, Jay-Z, welcomed Rumi, a daughter, and a son named Sir. Back on June 13th of 2017, they also have a daughter named Blue Ivy, age nine. So how about that combination of names for your kids? Blue Ivy, that's two words, not hyphenated. Blue Ivy, Rumi, R-U-M-I, and then sir carter but it goes by sir yes sir or should i say sir yes sir (laughs) and then r-u-m-i is the daughter's name in 2019 the documentary homecoming revealed the twins were a difficult pregnancy due to complications from something called pre-enclampsia that beyonce had during the pregnancy But the twins now with birthdays, age four. And, yeah, there's occasional pictures that show up of her babies. They're not – I'll call them babies. I bet you the the youngsters, Rumi and Sir, don't want to be called babies at age four. Y'all know how you were at age four. You were pretty, pretty protective of not wanting to be a baby anymore. But, yeah, you can go online and see her birthday message to her twins and to all of you parents out there who have had twins or triplets or quadruplets or whatever it's called when you have five pentuplets maybe 
that's got its definite challenges, but boy, it's just that more rewarding, isn't it? I, I'm not a twin. I'm not a triplet. I had, do not have twins or triplets yet. <laughs> but yeah, it's got to be so cool to have twins. That is if they get along. Hopefully they don't sit there and fight. I do have twin nieces and they are, whatever the term is, not identical. I know there's a fancy word, but, uh, they're 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 close they're as close as can be but they don't necessarily look alike and their interests are completely different and that's kind of cool and they're they're twins so i know that's very common with twins and then you've got some twins that truly are inseparable and that it may be the case with Rumi and sir carter with their fourth birthday congratulations to beyonce to the twins and to the daddy in this case jay-z Jay-Z, the father of these. Now to a Bachelor alum in the news, Lauren Bushnell, who was on The Bachelor. She and her friend, if you will, I don't know if they're married. I should know. I don't have the news quite yet. But she and singer Chris Lane have welcomed a son, Dutton Walker Lane, born on June 8th as... I am Chris Lane, his Instagram account, put out a statement. Words can't describe the love I feel inside my heart for this little man. Thanks for all the prayers. I will never understand how Lauren Lane birthed a nine-pound baby. Dutton Walker Lane, welcome to the world. And Chris Lane actually is sitting there in the hospital holding this baby. And hopefully he doesn't curse. So I'm going to give him a chance to, from Instagram, Talk about being a new father, Chris Lane. It's my first time holding him. Okay. Oh, okay. Just a little quick video sample there from singer Chris Lane. And again, his wife or lady, Lauren Bushnell. Do you remember her from The Bachelor? They had this baby in Nashville on June 8th. Now, let's tell you a little bit more about Chris Lane. Now, he's one of these bro country type singers. He is a native of North Carolina, born in Kernersville back in 1984. He's 36 years young. He actually played college baseball for the UNC Charlotte 49ers and then went on to start his music career with the Chris Lane Band and ended up getting a record deal and more. And when you get the record deal, you get the pretty girl. And in this case, he started dating the 20th season winner of The Bachelor, Lauren Bushnell. They got engaged in 2019, and they are married. Married, oh, Lord, I shouldn't have seen this. Married on one of my anniversaries. <laughs> October 25th, 2019 is when the Lanes got married, not the same year that I tied one of my knots. Yeah, I'm in stitches now reading this one. But, uh, yes, they announced that they were going to have a – child together back in january and here they are with a son dutton walker lane congratulations now chris lane's music he's had a couple of number ones his first was called fix that was back in 2015 and then he said uh then he went on to say or have the number one i don't know about you that that's a song that got a lot of airplay it was a number one back in 2018 he also has had the Number one, big, big plans. Chris Lane, North Carolinian, and his lady, 
just in case you're keeping track at home, his lady, Lauren, is also a celebrity, of course, being on The Bachelor. And she, I'm trying to find out where her hometown, Lauren Bushnell, is from. Take a guess. Take a guess. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Um, Come on. Where's Lauren Bushnell's information? I don't have that. Stand by for news. I'll get that in just a second. But congratulations to Lauren Bushnell and Chris Lane with their first baby. A lot of lot of baby news here on today's Y'all Show. And that's a good thing. We're pro-babies here on the Y'all Show. Bushnell looks like she is a native of Oregon, or at least was born there. So Oregon meets North Carolina with the Lane family. Now to Brett Young. He is also kind of like Chris Lane, a former college baseball player. He played his college baseball for the Ole Miss Rebels. Hotty toddy, gosh almighty. And now this seven-time chart-tupping artist is going to add a new title to his resume. He's going to be an author. Brett Young recently got his latest number one hit, Lady, inspired by his wife Taylor and daughter Presley Elizabeth. And on August 24th, because of his daughter and his wife and just how... Yeah, Nice, Brett Young is. He's going to release the children's book, Love You, Little Lady. And that's coming out on Thomas Nelson Books. Inspired by the lyrics to Lady, the book is essentially a love letter to his child as he shares what it's like to hear her heartbeat, hold her for the first time, and watch her take her first steps. Now, he announced this book during an appearance on Today, telling Al Roker, whose daughter just got married, by the way. See, those daughters... Go from the little ones to all grown up and married. Brett Young telling Chris, uh, telling Al Roker, the publishers came to us after hearing the song with the idea. With one little one in the house and another one on the way, we thought my wife and I could come together for a cool little venture. It'll be one of the most interesting things I've written. That from Brett Young. Can't wait for that. Way to go, Brett Young. As he, if he can write a song that's a hit, I am confident that he can certainly write a children's book that's also a big hit. Sad news from the entertainment world. The actress from Gone Girl, Lisa Baines, has died after a hit-and-run scooter crash happened in New York City. The 65-year-old actress struck by either a scooter or a motorcycle in the Upper West Side of Manhattan happened around Lincoln Center back on June 4th and now the actress who appeared in Cocktail as well, Barnes dying more than a week after she was critically injured in this accident. Her manager put out a statement. David Williams said, We are heartsick over Lisa's tragic and senseless passing. She was a woman of great spirit, kindness, and generosity, and dedicated to her work, whether on stage or in front of a camera, and even more so to her wife, family, and friends. We were blessed to have had her in our lives that her manager, David Williams, putting that out in a statement. Now, she was, again, 65 years old, struck by either a motorcycle or a scooter up on the Upper West Side as she was crossing Amsterdam Avenue on the way to visit the Juilliard School, which was her alma mater. I'm not sure where her hometown is. I don't even know if she was a southerner, but we're going to just pass that news along, a tragic Death there for the actress Lisa Baines dying in New York City. 
Also on the Y'all Show Entertainment Report, how about this story? As we've got now a competition. David Allen Coe, where are you? Because I think you had something to do with this newest song that's about to come out by a couple of artists. David Allen Coe, his song, You Never Even Call My Name. He says in the song that Steve Goodman helped him write it or wrote it. I don't know if that's true or not, but that song, of course, one that if you've ever been to college, at some point around 4 in the morning, you've heard that played, and you probably were not quite up to speed when you heard it. (laughs) Well, it looks like that song might have some competition now, thanks to Brantley Gilbert, country music singer. He's teaming up with Hardy, a Mississippian, as well as Oklahoman Ted Toby Keith for what's called the song title, The Worst Country Song of All Time. And now the three are teasing the release of this with some social media posts as it is set to be released on Friday, this week, June 18th. And we've got a snippet of the song. It was put out on Monday from Brantley Gilbert. Let me know what you think. Is this truly the worst song of all time? The worst country song of all time is what it's actually being called. And Brantley, in fact, he put out on Instagram our magic word, y'all, as he wrote, well, y'all asked for it. It's official. My new single, The Worst Country Song of All Time, featuring Toby Keith and Hardy, is out everywhere on Friday. Y'all ready to have a little fun with this one? Hashtag BG Nation, which stands for Brantley Gilbert Nation. So let's hear a little sample of this song and tell me if it is the worst song in the history of country music from the three amigos, Brantley, Hardy, and TK, Toby Keith. Okay, ready for it to play. It's not playing. Hello. Maybe that's why it's the worst song of all time. It won't play. We're going to get it figured out here. I think think this might be it. Play. Play me some music. Come on. Pretty please. Ah, probably help if I hit that button right there to unmute it, (laughs) don't you think? It played for me on Monday when I was trying to get it playing. Okay, one more time. Mm. Out Friday. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, you three. Okay, I give up on you. Uh, it's only a snippet anyway, so you would not have been able to hear very much. But you can go check it out. Go to social media. Maybe you'll have better luck than me. Right now, it is truly the worst song I've ever heard because I, could, I didn't even hear it. Shame, shame, shame on these guys. Well, that wraps up our entertainment report. i tell you what's not shameful when Matt Irwin's drops by the Y'all Show, and he's going to do that right after this as he's got a report on barbecue pellets. And there's even some heavy hitters in the barbecue world that have their own line of pellets out on the shelves i'll tell you about that and we'll just have a delicious conversation talking barbecue and so much more it's the y'all show tuesday edition
We got 24 tall boys on the chill. Yeah, 14 of them's mine. A little Marshall Tucker on the radio. You know it just to catch a little groove before the show. We ain't playing nothing slow at the parking lot party. In to talk with a southern accent, I'm John Rawl, and it's time now to get your barbecue on, thanks to barbecue barrister Matt Hermans. Matt visits us each week to share with us what's going on across the South in terms of the good palate and some tricks of what he does, and we've got something really special here today, something I don't think in all the conversations we've had with our barbecue barrister that I've actually had a chance to get his opinion on it and i don't know where we're going to go i even have a photo to accompany the conversation today but without further ado let's welcome in our guy our guy that knows all things barbecue it's matt hermans and he's now on with us here on talk with us southern accent hello matt i'm excited to uh to get the surprise here and see what we're talking about yeah we'll we'll get to that in just a second i've got to i've got to leave you hanging for just a moment if you don't mind but uh Hi, how y'all doing? I like the y'all hat you got. Yeah, I thought you might recognize it at least. It's uh, it's fitting wonderfully. Uh, it's a fine piece of apparel, and I'm happy to wear it. And we're adding more and more y'all stuff, by the way, for all y'all listening and viewing. And the style I think you have there is not technically a trucker hat. It's more of the low profile. Do you have a preference? No, I don't really have a preference. I just, as most, I'm a hat wearer. And I think most people who wear hats regularly, uh, you get real picky about how they fit and how they sit on your head. And this one happens to fit pretty well. So as long as it fits right, I don't really have so a tremendous. That's a low profile, but you, you, let's just say you have a slightly larger than normal melon. That one that's right. works pretty good for you, huh? Since we're talking about that y'all hat that you're uh, sporting today, do me a quick favor and flip that thing around for just a second. I like the front a lot, but I want you to show off the back, which has some pretty cool stuff, too. they got the map of the South and y'all logo over there on the side. Very cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Oh, this side. And and if you go to y'all.com, you can learn more about how you can get those hats or hit us up at mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com. All right, enough of the fashion show, Matt Hermans. Flip that hat back around because I want your full attention when we bring on the, right. big, the, the big surprise here today. And the surprise, Matt, is something I don't think I've at least heard you say, or if you did, I was not paying close enough attention. Pellets. When we talk about barbecuing, mm-hmm. what is your opinion of pellets? <laughs> oh, and he's man, laughing. Do I have to answer this question? Yeah, you do. do I have to answer. Yes. Okay. Um, they're very, very convenient. Okay. Anything else you want to say about pellets? Because this was supposed to be our whole segment today, talking about pellets, and I don't want you to be so dismissive of the conversation that I'm sitting here scratching for more questions. Not at all. Not at all. You know, you know. Once my mouth gets going, we can we can roll along here pretty good. So there are a tremendous variety of pellet cookers, from a three hundred dollar cooker to a five thousand dollar cooker. Now, the thing about pellet cookers 
is that they're exactly the same. Uh, the heating element for a pellet smoker, if you want to call it a pellet smoker, that's fine. It is exactly the same. You have a ceramic basin that holds, um, I don't know how to describe them. They are, they are pellets, um, but they, if you've ever had a pellet stove in your house, uh, where a lot of people use that for heat, they look exactly the same. So they're little, hard, firm, compressed sawdust pellets is what they are. Um, and it's usually a byproduct from lumber mills and things like that, that they put together with some form of glue that burns with, without any real residue. And the element at the bottom of that ceramic bucket heats and kind of smolders the pellets. Um, now, usually your heat comes from a flame. In the pellet cooker, your heat is not coming from burning pellets. They don't really burn per se. The heat's coming from a gas source. It's coming from a flame that controls your heat. And the flavor, if you will, the smoke, comes from that little auger that kind of heats those pellets up and, get, and gets them to either burn or smolder depending on um, how hot you're cooking. That is a pellet cooker. That it, All pellets are essentially the same. I know some people will tell you that some are better than others, but they're all the same product. It's all essentially sawdust, smashed together in pellet form. Um, there's always a little ceramic bucket that heats up. So $2,500 pellet cooker, $400 pellet cooker, um, your, your, your pellet heating element is exactly the same. Now, people love pellet cookers. Because they're convenient. They are convenient. They're very com Think of it as the gas grill of the smoker world. Um, you turn it on. You make sure your little hopper's full of pellets. And that's it. You dial in your temperature. If you want to cook at 250, 275, whatever. You just dial the temperature in. That gas flame will absolutely adjust. You do not have to tend to a fire. You do not have to add wood, coal. You don't have to mess with vents. You don't have to do any of that. You just set it and forget it. Um, so there's an incredible advantage there for people who want kind of a barbecue experience to some degree, but they want the convenience. So they're very, very popular. Now, that doesn't mean that a pellet cooker is going to give you the same cook, the same flavor that a charcoal or wood smoker is going to give you. They will not, period. doesn't matter what anyone tells you. They don't. I've cooked on many of them. Um, my father has one. Um, they are very convenient. It's a cool thing to have. It cooks very well. You don't have to worry about it, but you will absolutely not get the same flavor and profile as you do cooking with charcoal or wood or both, period. So what I tell people is, and I always maintain kind of the positive side of it, if you want some smoke flavor, that is, it's a different kind of smoke flavor than you get from charcoal and wood. But if you want some smoke flavor on your meat, but you also want something that's incredibly convenient, a pellet cooker is probably for you. Essentially think of it as an oven that gives you a little bit more smoke taste to your meat. If that's what you're looking for, you're going to love it. If you are a barbecue purist who loves the um, the process, who loves to adjust your wood, your flavor, who likes to try different types of woods, who loves the smell and taste of burning charcoal, who likes to kind of master the art of barbecue, it's not for you. 
But most people, I think, are, are probably more interested in the convenience. And that's why these things are incredibly popular. So uh, there are positives. And in my opinions, there are negatives. Uh, but it all just depends on what you want, what you want out of a cooker. And it sounds like there's a civil war going on within the Hearman's family with daddy reaching out there and saying, <laughs> I'm going to go with this pellet cooker and baby Hearman's is no, 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 no. I'm too yeah. good for that. Well, no, I would say, I don't know about being too good. The pellet cooker is uh, is probably a little more high end than what I use for sure. I'm, I'm oh, kind of it? old school, but oh yeah, I, I, I cook on a, on an old, old barrel, but uh, I'm not talking about the no, equipment, dad, but the way the process of it, that's just not good enough. You don't like this 21st century stuff. You want to do it the way the Vikings did it. <laughs> yes. I want to do it the way the Vikings in, uh, you know, the deep South did it in the uh, 1100s for sure. <laughs> no, I, uh, I am, I am a big pro a big proponent of, of traditional styles, wood, coal. Um, but again, there's a place for, that cooker depending on what you want my dad has one but he also has four other smokers so uh, um he just likes to collect cookers <laughs> but and so do uh, you i think as well and and so do i yeah i don't i don't have a pellet cooker but um but again it's in I his will to someone else yes maybe oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, i got jokes here today john i got jokes yeah. well i do too uh, i'll try no. to out joke you here talking about pellets <laughs> <laughs> all right well matt tell you what stay where you are we have more with our barbecue barrister we got to take a break when we come back we'll pick up the pellet conversation with our barbecue barrister, Matt Hermans. Hey, if you got a question about barbecue that you want to ask our barbecue barrister, feel free. 803-816-1170. The Y'all Show's Barbecue Showcase rolls on after this. We're back on the show covering everything Southern, including our great Southern food. And that's why we have each week Matt Hermans, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, on with us. I'm John Rawl. If you want to get involved with the show All About the South, go to our website. It is y'all.com, the South's homepage. And if you go right now to that website, you're going to see our barbecue barrister front and center. I'll have more about what else is at y'all before we get out of here this hour. A preview of the South's homepage. But we're continuing on with our discussion with barrister Matt Hermans talking about barbecue and more. And the subject this week is barbecue pellets. And Matt, I just got to ask as we're sitting here 
getting everybody rather hungry, or rather hungry, about barbecue and more. We, to my knowledge, have not really brought this subject up in the past. So, I mean, the question is, Matt, have we actually talked about barbecue pellets on previous episodes of the Y'all Show? No, I think we have not talked about pellet cookers in depth at all. We have, I think, maybe mentioned them. Um, I think we've kind of got a run through of different types of cookers, and I might have just thrown out that pellet is a big one. But no, we have not gone into any in-depth type of conversation like we are today. So I like to focus on the positive. And so I think, like I say, if you like convenience, you want a little extra flavor, you're probably going to like it. Well, there are people who are bigger heavy hitters in the barbecue industry than yours truly, John Rawl. One of those would be Myron Mixon. Of course, we know him from his barbecue that he does in Georgia. And Myron Mixon, we got to show you, don't get too upset with him here. I don't know if you would call him a sellout or not, but look at there. He has his own brand of barbecue pellets, that the sweet smoked cherry variety. What's up with that? Yeah, Myron, um, he's a smart guy. Uh, he actually, he's been selling a pellet cooker for years. He, he got in, I remember, um, so right now, I mean, pellet cookers are all over. There's a ton of different brands. I wouldn't say the market has been completely tapped or saturated, but everybody who's in it is probably in it. Um, Myron got into it a few years ago back when it was still kind of taken off. Um, so he, he is certainly, I'm sure, um, done pretty well marketing a, a pellet cooker of his own. Now, of course, you know, you've got the, you got the, the, the cherry pellets we're looking at on the screen right there. Now, the thing to know is that, you know, Myron Mixon, obviously, I think people understand this. He contracts with a big pellet company to put his face on it, but the key is with the pellets. There's something interesting. So when you go to the store, we go to your local hardware store or your barbecue store and mm-hmm. you get hickory wood or you get uh, apple wood or you get pecan, whatever. As a super fan You're just buying a tree. You're buying a big chunk of wood. That's what it is. Now, when you buy pellets and it says cherry, for instance, like Myron's does, there is only a certain percentage of that wood that's required to be cherry by law. So what you're talking about is basically a generic mixture of wood sawdust with only a slight, a small percentage of cherry wood that's added in. Now, I mean, do they have inspectors going in there and making sure this has got cherry in it? I don't know. Maybe there is, but I will tell you that um, that that's what the pellets are. There's really there's only required to be a certain small percentage of the advertised wood. So largely, whether you're cooking with Myron's cherry or a hickory variety or a mesquite or whatever, it's ninety percent of it is exactly the same. Um, and I'm not sure how much of a difference you're going to get out of it. But that's something to keep in mind when you buy uh, pellets. Keep that in mind. Father's Day this weekend, you've got that mm. to keep in mind. And Matt Herman's a father. I'm a father. Yes. And uh, Matt, I'll just uh, share with you my address if you want to ship me over a couple bags of that Myron mix and pellet <laughs> mix. That sounds good, John. I'll uh, I may I may send you a pellet cooker as well. Um, oh, that'd be even better. Your address because you're yeah, not going to yeah. put it to use. It sounds like you've got that. Uh, uh, attitude when it comes to pellet cookers but you did say I they're very just, convenient they're very convenient and i would say they're very very good for people who want that 
type of experience, they're wonderful. I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing them at all. I just think there's room for all of us barbecue people in the barbecue world. Are you saying there's room for diversity? <laughs> sure, sure. That's what I'm saying, John. That's what I'm saying. Put me down for that. Check the box. We just put him on record of being diversity. But you did tell me here that this is a fairly new concept. 30, 40 years ago, pellet cookers didn't exist. Is that what I gathered? Well, it's what's funny is it is not burning pellets in the way that they're burned in a pellet cooker is not new. So the, we had a pellet stove in the early 90s at my house. We had a, It was not obviously a cooker. It was a fireplace. And basically what you did was heat your house with pellets that were shot down into an auger or through an auger and they lit on fire and they burned and you heated the house and that's, they just fed, fed, fed all day long. And that's what we did. That, that technology has been around for a long time. Now adding that particular technology to a smoker or a cooking device, that's relatively new. I mean, it's, it's a lot newer than, than a cooking stove, but the concept is exactly the same. It's really the exact same operation um, from the old pellet stove. So it's not new technology. The adaptation to cooking meat is newish, put it that way. Okay. So if you think you've missed out on something, it is relatively new, the idea of mixing this in with a maybe a competitor to the outside grill. This seems like, Matt, a very good option if you're someone who lives, let's say, in a big apartment complex and you want to go out on your balcony. This doesn't require hauling a bunch of wood and other things that you might need with a traditional smoker. No, absolutely not. You're right. Uh, now, you will have to ha- haul bags, whether they have Myron Mixon's face on them or not, is your choice. But you have to haul those bags up to keep that hopper full. But no, you're not going to light charcoal. You're not going to have a chimney. You're not going to have a big big pile of uh, hickory logs that you're going to burn through and then a bunch of ash to dump and all that stuff. It's not nearly as messy, obviously, and it's far more convenient, particularly for a small space like that. So, um, if you can have a gas grill, in other words, if you can have a gas flame at your apartment complex, you can have a pellet cooker. Absolutely. There's no, there's no difference there. All right. Matt Hermans with the info we all needed to know, pellet grills, whether they're, you're using the pellets themselves that have celebrities like Myron Mixon's name attached to it or somebody else or some other variety, there are, as he said, a very convenient way for you Absolutely. to enjoy grilling for Father's Day 2021. And I hope you have a great one. And for all the other fathers out there, congratulations and have a wonderful Father's Day. And likely this might be the only Sunday of the year that the fathers don't actually need to be the ones steering the ship. Let somebody else cook for you for <laughs> once, huh? Have you had somebody cook for you lately at a grill? Uh, I usually man the grill, but I'll tell you what. Uh, since we're talking pellet grills, anybody can do that. So if you have a significant other, uh, you think, hey, you know what? I'd like the, the wife to get out there. I'd maybe maybe the wife is the grill. You want the husband to get out there. Your pellet cooker, very easy. Five minutes. You can really – all that those excuses about, man, honey, I don't want to fire up the cooker, the charcoal, the wood. That's all out the window. Yeah. So think Thanks about to Myron that. That's a motivating factor as well. More of the Y'all Chefs coming up.
that one right there. Whew. That's some painful stuff. Muddy Water, a Mississippi moan. Some good blues music for you here on the Y'all Show as we wrap up this second hour of talk. And we're not going to be moaning as we wrap up this second hour because let me tell you what's up at y'all.com. It is the South's official homepage. It's y'all online, if you will. And if you go there, you'll see great articles like planning on moving to the South. Here's what you need to know. That's right there, right now at y'all.com. Of course, if you're listening to us and you already are in the South, that article may not mean as much to you as it might to others outside of the region. In fact, you might not want to share that one if you want to be kind of selfish and not let other people move in here. That's understandable. Also, you have a brand new article that we just posted now that we know the eight teams that will be traveling to Omaha for the College World Series. We have... Matt Hermans, the guy that was just on talking barbecue, he's also a college baseball insider, and he is on with me in a video interview at y'all.com right there on the homepage. Go now and read and watch all of the information about the College Baseball World Series. It's the Super Regional Winner Recap from Matt Hermans at y'all.com. Also, you'll find Tricks of the Trade that has home improvement information that is just so helpful and we have video for you to watch with john allen and jimmy the duke there at y'all.com the takapola storyteller with an article up about purple cows and ppp loan fraud oh the takapola storyteller you can watch him jerry short at y'all.com and also we've got up a great interview with the executive vp at moe's original barbecue and you can go there and watch that interview that I did recently with Hunter there at Moe's Original Barbecue, Hunter Whitfield, operations manager for the Birmingham-based chain. And it's a delicious interview for sure that we did with Moe's Original Barbecue. That's up there. And if you go there in just a few minutes, I promise you, it's going to be arriving in just seconds. We're going to have the, speaking of barbecue, our interview we just did on y'all.com. The Y'all Show had an interview with Matt Hermans, and that interview, the video portion of that, will be posted at y'all.com at the top of the hour. Oh, like clockwork, it'll be there. So all that right there at y'all.com, the South's homepage. Four little letters is all you need to know. Y-A-L-L, and then remember.com, too. And you'll be locked into the South's homepage with so many great articles and more coming. And, of course, at y'all.com, we have the Y'all Show front and center. And you can listen to this show that you're tuning in right now in its entirety by simply giving it a click. And you'll be on top of all things Dixie thanks to the South's homepage. Hour two's in the books. We've got hour three headed your way, a sports update. Also... We have the rankings of the cities in the country that have the most dog attacks on postal service workers. Oh, my goodness. What an unusual thing to talk about. We're going to talk about it because we covered all, y'all. This is y'all. If you are... A fan of the 
states of Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Missouri, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, or West Virginia, guess what? We have your show. We have the Y'all Show coming at you, third hour of the show all about the South, and it is upon us on this Tuesday edition. I am John Rawl. I am your friend. I am your ambassador to all things Southern. That's why they call me the General of the South, and General John is going to have a good time here as we have this third hour of our Tuesday edition coming at you. We've got all kinds of goodies from sports to get to. We'll also talk about dogs. And this is not exactly a favorable portion of the show. We're going to talk about dog attacks on U.S. Postal Service workers. The folks out there delivering all your packages and do a good job most days, except for my parents' delivery person. i got to maybe mention that when we get to it. <laughs> I hope this is not a common thing across the country right now, what's going on with the guy that carries the or totes the mail, as we would say in the South. Uh, something, something ain't quite right. But that that's another story. Perhaps we'll save that one for another day. Now, I'm going to mix it in because I'm, I'm going to give you a sympathetic article to our Postal Service workers as dogs attack them. On a common, common occurrence, dogs attack. And there's actually – some data that comes out of where the most dog bites occur for postal workers. And we'll share that here in this hour of the show called Y'all. Plus, before the hour is up, we've got a look at the Southern Arts, courtesy of Kobe Bennett. He'll be filing a Southern accent on arts in this hour. And before the hour is up, if time permits, yours truly is going to tell you about my lunch date I had on Monday with myself. And it kind of felt like my own funeral, to be honest with you. And I'll explain why. All that here in hour three. Our website, y'all.com. Our number to call is 803-816-1170. You can text or call at your leisure. And I know we got a lot of listeners. I'm getting it every day. Oh, I love your show. Man, it is the highlight of my life. I don't know if they've gone that far. But people like the show. Don't be bashful. Come on. Let me hear from you guys. Come on. And uh, yeah, it's just text us if you've got something you want to share with us. Maybe you've had a great meal, a great tour of someplace recently. You've got to give a special shout-out to someone. That's why we are the show about y'all. This is not my show. This is y'all's show. This is the y'all show. And we're here for you guys. Okay? Now we got that out of the way. Let's get into what's going on sports-wise here on this Tuesday. And we'll start off with NBA action. We had some games played on Monday. And it was a big night for the team based in Fulton County, Georgia, as they were able to even up their series with the Philadelphia 76ers. The Atlanta Hawks won 103-100, had a nice surge in the fourth quarter, and outscored the Sixers by five. And as a result of that fourth quarter surge, they get the three-point win as it was just another big night for Mr. Trey with 25 points total 18 assists, and Atlanta evens up their series. The Eastern Conference semifinal 
series they've got with the Sixers. That game and that series knotted up at two apiece. Now on the western side on Monday, the L.A. Clippers at home, thanks to Kawhi Leonard, he and his teammates got the 118-104 triumph over the Utah Jazz. That series is also knotted up at two games apiece. That series, the Western Conference semifinals. On tap in the NBA on this Tuesday, it is a series currently evened up at two apiece. That will change after this Tuesday matchup in Barclays Center as the homestanding Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks get together in Brooklyn, and that is set for an 8.30 Brooklyn time tip-off on TNT. Check it out if you want to see NBA semifinal action on this evening's programming lineup. NFL news, Trevor Lawrence had a little hamstring issue as his Jacksonville Jaguars are currently undergoing a mandatory minicamp, and this hamstring issue has forced the rookie Jaguars QB, the rookie first-round draft pick out of Clemson. Lawrence is now sitting out as the surgeons and doctors and more, the team staff, looking at the tightness that has limited him, and it limited him last week in the OTAs and now it's coming back forcing the Jaguars to keep him out of team drills on Monday and likely being held out on Tuesday as Urban Meyer says you got to look at what's going on here in the month of June and if you yank a hamstring now according to Meyer you're going to miss the early part of training camp that's one muscle that you guys have all seen it like I have you pull a hamstring at this point you're going to miss all your summer conditioning so we're being somewhat conservative on it. Makes sense to me, as Trevor Lawrence is now Jacksonville's franchise QB. As he did some work off the side on Monday while the rest of the team did stretches and warm-ups, he participated in individual drills and 7-on-7 sessions. He did not participate in 11-on-11 drills. Lawrence said he would be practicing fully, but understands the Jaguars' He says he would rather be practicing fully, but understands where Coach Meyer and the Duval County Cats are with him in terms of getting him fully prepared for his rookie season. Do y'all think he'll be a day one starter? I think so, because I don't know who else Jacksonville even has in camp as a QB. But this right now, in mid-June, a mandatory minicamp, and then the Jags will break camp, and then training camp starts late July for the AFC South team that plays in Northeast Florida. Quarterback Cam Newton is now practicing with the New England Patriots after a little bit of a ham, or rather not a hamstring, he had a hand injury. And the veteran QB, former NFL MVP with the Carolina Panthers, is likely going to be sidelined a little bit with this hand injury for the Pats and Coach Belichick. He 10 days after suffering this minor injury in his right-throwing hand, he was able to participate in practice as the team opened mandatory minicamp of their own in Foxborough. Now, he was not seen at last Thursday's practice when reporters were present, but did come back the next day. And he's got this hand injury, but it looks like in Cam Newton's case, he is able to show up at practice and participate in most, if not some, of the drills. Newton has been taking top repetitions in spring practices with Coach Belichick having previously declared him the team's starting QB. Now there's a guy from another team in the state of Alabama, 
opposite of where Cam Newton played his college ball, a team called the Alabama Crimson Tide. They've got Mac Jones waiting in the wings. The first-round draft pick of Belichick is likely to see some playing time in 2021. They also have a quarterback from Cam Newton's alma mater, Jarrett Stidham, the former Baylor transfer into Auburn. He also was taking snaps in practice this week. So it looks like, unlike maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars, at least the Pats and Belichick have a pretty good plan of getting a QB into play if Cam Newton's hand is not quite ready. And look, I will take a minute here to once again tell people how impressed I was with Cam Newton in 2020. Here's a guy who I thought his playing days were likely over with whenever Carolina essentially let him go. And he ends up on the roster in New England. It was a weird year with no fans in most of the stadiums throughout the entire season. Cam Newton didn't have anything to prove. He's already taken a team to a Super Bowl. He's been an MVP. And I thought he did a pretty good job last year. I mean, he must have because other than a couple of snaps, he was pretty much the Pats quarterback all season long. And, yeah, he had some rough games, and they lost some games, and they didn't make the playoffs. But they didn't have a better plan. And that that's what happened whenever Tom Brady decided to take off. New England was not quite ready for that. But uh, TB went to TB, and we all know what happened there. But Cam Newton did have some injury issues in 2020. But for the most part, he got through the season. And the real issues he had, what led him to exit the Panthers, were not really that evident. And so I'm proud of Cam Newton as a guy who's followed him most of his career. I'm proud that he stuck with it. He didn't give up. He found a team. He went to New England on a very low contract, almost to the minimum level from what I remember, and he showed up. He he actually was there the entire football season without his family. He left them back in Charlotte and essentially was a lone wolf in New England and really didn't do anything but play football, didn't really have a chance to get out and socialize because of not only the fact that he was – trying to do his best job for the Pats, but it was an unusual time with the virus going on and so many things being shut down. He didn't have time to socialize, so his wife likely was A-OK with him being up there in New England and away from the family from, what is his son's name? Chosen. <laughs> Chosen is his son's name, and he's got other kids too, but I just I remember Chosen because he's brought him around NFL teams in the locker room and such in the past. Cam Newton, though, looks like he'll be up and going and ready for the start of the 2021 season. To the major leagues we go and a look at Monday's action on the diamond. The Mets with a victory of the Cubbies 5-2 on Monday. The Nats got a victory 3-2 edging out the Pirates. It was the Indians on top of the Orioles 4-3. And as a result of that, the Baltimore Orioles have now lost 16 straight road games. That is absolutely pathetic. Another AL East game, the Red Sox and the Blue Jays getting together at Fenway. The Sox with a 2-1 just getting past the Jays game there in Boston. The Reds, they won over the Brewers 10-2, and it's the fourth straight victory for the Big Red Machine. The Tigers with a 10-3 game on the road. They were able to upend the Royals. The Tampa Bay Rays with a 5-2 victory 
and that was a matchup of two very good American League teams there on the south side of Chicago. Rays with the 5-2 victory on Monday. Cardinals upending the Marlins 4-2 on Monday. Rockies a one-run better-than-Padres victory. 3-2, Rockies get the victory. It was the A's in the Battle of California. A's over the Angels as Mitch Moreland got his thousandth hit in the major leagues. And that was helpful there as the A's with the victory. Giants over the D-backs 5-2. Mariners defeating the Twins 4-3. And in a late game, the Dodgers with the 3-1 victory over the Philadelphia Phillies. A former Nebraska turn Louisville quarterback turn now Rice Owl in the news, Luke McCaffrey, as he's the younger brother of Christian McCaffrey of Panthers and Stanford fame and the son of Ed McCaffrey of Stanford and the Denver Bronco fame, the former quarterback of the Cornhuskers and a guy that was in Louisville for a hot minute now has himself on a plane to Houston as Luke McCaffrey, QB, is going to be Rice Owl QB as the Owls confirmed that he signed Monday and he will join the team for summer workouts and McCaffrey will start competing for the starting job in preseason camp. Now, he had moved from Nebraska to Louisville in the offseason hoping to catch on with Louisville and Scott Satterfield is the coach of Louisville and he recently told ESPN that the starting quarterback didn't have a chance to or he didn't have a chance to be starting quarterback for Louisville because as Satterfield said after three or four days decided that maybe wasn't going to happen here him becoming a quarterback for the U of L so he takes his talent elsewhere and Rice is his now landing spot for this son of an NFL great and the brother of an NFL great McCaffrey was rated as ESPN's number four dual threat quarterback and number 141 overall player in the 2019 recruiting class. There is a connection between McCaffrey and the Rice Owls as Owls coach Mike Bloomgren coached Christian when McCaffrey, elder McCaffrey, that is, Christian, number 22 with the Panthers, and I think number five at Stanford, when Christian was a Cardinal running back, he was Stanford's offensive coordinator. And now Mike Bloomgren has moved on from the farm to the Bayou City and is coaching the Rice Owls and is going to have a familiar face or at least a familiar family, perhaps being the starting quarterback of the Conference USA program when college football gets up and going in just a few months. Cannot wait. College baseball is winding down, and on Monday, two more teams, the final two teams, to earn their opportunity to play in the College World Series. Those games held on Monday, and it was Virginia upending Dallas Baptist and the Columbia Regional, the Columbia Super Regional, rather. And the Hoos are back at the College World Series for the first time since they won the national championship about five years ago. So well, job well done there by the Hoos and the ACC program is the second ACC team to earn its way to Omaha following on the success of NC State in a Super Regional victory they had over the weekend over the number one overall seed, Arkansas. And then the last game of the Super Regionals on Monday, Mississippi State with the 11-7 victory over Notre Dame. And now the Bullies, the Diamond Dogs, are back in Omaha. And they got that victory over the ACC's Irish 
and now get to get back to a place Bulldog fans can call Starkville North, and they'll be there. And their first game is going to be a tough one. They've got to play Stanford in the first game of the College World Series. And who all is playing who in the College World Series as it begins on Saturday and lasts until June 30th. You've got two different brackets in the College World Series. Vanderbilt, Arizona, Stanford, NC State is in one. And on that first pairing, Vanderbilt is going to play Arizona. Stanford will play NC State. And I was wrong on who Mississippi State plays because MSU is in bracket number two. And MSU will be taking on Texas in its first matchup in the College World Series. It'll be Texas and Mississippi State and Tennessee and Virginia in bracket two as well. And each winner of each bracket goes on and plays in the College World Series finals. The winner of that is your national champion of college baseball. Also, I want to let you know about golf. This weekend, it's the U.S. Open from Torrey Pines, and we've got from CBSSports.com some information about the favorites heading into the weekend as we've seen some real good players kind of go off the radar in recent months. And so according to this article at CBS Sports, an article written by Kyle Porter, they've got the odds of likely winners of this year's U.S. Open. And they've got at 10-to-1 odds John Rahm, the Spaniard, walking away with the victory in California this weekend. And here's a guy who should have won the Memorial just two weeks ago, and he ended up getting kicked out because he tested positive for the coronavirus he was up by six strokes after three rounds and then told to exit the course so he's got something to play for and john ron the new dad with a 10 to 1 odds of winning the u.s open this weekend a guy with 50 to 1 odds is phil mickelson as lefty is still seeking his first u.s open it's the only major he has not won and to win his seventh major championship and to get the Grand Slam, he's going to have to have some good golf out there. And he, as you know, recently had really good golf as he won the PGA Championship in Kiowa Island at the Ocean Course only a month ago. Phil Mickelson, 50-1 to 1 odds in the U.S. Open of 2021. Up next is a former Oklahoma State golfer, a guy from Norway, I believe is his native country he could be from denmark one of those two countries that are essentially side by side victor hovland victor hovland 25 to 1 odds of winning this year's u.s open california kid xander shoffley has 20 to 1 odds and he is a guy that knows how to play really good with a short game and he has struggled though during the farmers insurance open in the past at tory pines he has played decent golf there, but he is seeking his first major championship. And I think I think he's – has he won a major? I'm not sure. But Xander Shoffley, I know he's from California. Look for him. How about FSU alum Brooks Kepka? Brooks Kepka, who was on fire and has been right on the edge of being on fire even this year. He was the runner-up, I think, at the PGA Championship, just missing out with Phil Mickelson, and then he ended up getting assaulted on that last hole with all the fans there. Brooks kept 18-1 to 1 odds of winning the U.S. Open this year as he has a chance to win another big one here 
Only four golfers, Tiger Woods with three, Hale Irwin with three, Ben Hogan with four, Jack Nicklaus at four, have won more opens than Kepka has since World War II. And he can tie the former two this week with four victories if he gets the victory in California, Brooks Kepka. How about the Utah golfer, Tony Finau? Here is a guy who is still winless in terms of the majors. He's got 25 to 1 odds of winning this weekend, and his only victory, and I remember watching this from about five years ago, he won the Puerto Rico Open. And huh, that's his biggest win on tour, but he's been so close, and he's made a lot of money, and he's so likable. Tony Finau, maybe this will be his weekend in California. How about South African Louis Oosthuizen, Mr. UPS? He's got 45 to 1 odds of winning the U.S. Open this weekend. A guy that won in California last year, a major in California, as he won the PGA Championship in 2020. Colin Morikawa, he has 22 to 1 odds of being a winner for the second time of a major at the U.S. Open this weekend. Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland golfer Rory McIlroy has 20 to 1 odds. The guy who's still yet to win a Masters is a extremely good golfer, and he has a very, very good chance of walking away with a big trophy at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines this weekend. But all in all, remember, John Rahm with very good odds, as well as Phil Mickelson and others, and it should be a beautiful scene there in California with the playing of the U.S. Open, the third major of the PGA Tour schedule of 2021. And that is what's going on across the South here on this Tuesday. And that is what's going on from a Southern sports angle. We will be right back with more, y'all. We've got an article up about how dogs attack postal service workers. We'll share that information. Is your city high on the list? Lord, I hope not, but it could be. I'll have that information also before the hour's up. Kobe Bennett with a Southern accent on arts and entertainment. It is y'all talk with a Southern accent. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, going back to 62 for that one from The King of Rock and Roll. And that's one of our few songs out there that gives a little shout-out to our postal service workers here. And that's what we're going to do here on Y'all for just a few minutes. Elvis, thank you for setting the stage. We have data coming out about postal service workers and dog attacks upon them. It is currently National Dog Bite Awareness Week around the country. I know you knew that. 
I'm just reminding you that it's National Dog Bite Awareness Week. And with that in mind, I want to let you know that more than 5,800 postal employees were attacked by dogs in this country in just the year 2020. From nips and bites to vicious attacks, aggressive dog behavior poses a serious threat to postal employees and also to the general public. And to highlight the enormity of this serious issue, the U.S. Postal Service provides the public with information on the do's and don'ts of responsible dog ownership as part of its annual National Dog Bite Awareness Week public service campaign. And here at the Y'all Show, we're all about public service. We're all about letting y'all know how to help out and help others. We try to be good southern neighbors here. And so this campaign, which runs through Saturday, it is this year's theme, Be Aware Any Dog Can Bite. And we want y'all to help, according to the Postal Service, spread the news by using hashtag dog bite awareness. Dog bites are entirely preventable, according to USPS. But one bite is one bite too many. So we are trying to help out. To prevent bites, dog owners are responsible for controlling the dog The best way to keep everyone safe from dog bites is to recognize and promote responsible pet ownership. Most people know the approximate time their letter carrier arrives every day and having their dog secured as the carrier approaches their property for delivery will minimize any dog carrier interactions. So put Fido in a different room if you think the mail carrier is going to come knocking on the door, let's say, in about 20 minutes on average if they come. If you're home, please do that. Please do that because it's it's got to be scary. Remember, I know people love their pets, but not everybody loves pets. And not everybody loves your pet. I don't like dogs that I don't know coming and attacking me. And by attacking, I'm talking about coming and climbing on me and Let's say I'm sitting in a chair. I don't want a dog coming and jumping up on me. I just, I like dogs, but I I don't like them that much unless it's my own. And I don't even know if I want my own dog jumping on me because I'm kind of paranoid that they've been out in the yard and have mud on their paws and they're going to come jump on me and ruin my brand new white suit that I just bought down at the Dollar General. (laughs) So yeah, what pet owners should do, some other tips. Remind their children not to take mail directly from a letter carrier as the dog may view the carrier as a threat. That's a good point there from the Postal Service. Also, when a letter carrier comes to the house, keep dogs both inside the house or behind a fence. Also, keep them away from a door in another or away from the door or in another room. And naturally, please keep your dog on a leash when a letter carrier comes to the house. And the mail services informed delivery, according to the USPS, is a great tool for customers. This is a free service that gives customers a digital preview of the mail and packages that are scheduled to be delivered so that the customer can take precautions and secure their dog when those parcels are delivered to the door. You can sign up for informed delivery at informeddelivery.usps.com. How about that? I'd heard something about that, but yeah, you can actually scan, uh, get a copy of the mail coming your way 
see it scanned in, kind of like the bank scans deposit slips. You can see that. That's a little bit too much information, don't you think? But maybe not. <laughs> also, letter carriers are trained to observe an area where they know dogs may be present. And they're taught mail carriers to be alert for potentially dangerous conditions and to respect a dog's territory. Letter carriers know. They're trained. A, don't startle a dog. Letter carriers know to keep their eyes on dogs. Never assume a dog won't bite. And if entering a yard, letter carriers make some noise or rattle a fence to alert a dog. So it's not totally a surprise when they come knocking on the door. And letter carriers know never attempt to pet or feed a dog and to place a foot against an outward swinging door. If a dog attacks, mail carriers are trained to stand their ground and protect their body by placing something between them and the dog, such as their mail satchel. And also they carry, in some cases, dog repellent if necessary. They'll use that. Even though postal officials ask customers to control their dogs, unfortunately, dog bites still happen, which may cause injuries to USPS carriers and costly medical expenses for dog owners. Please heed the advice and use best practices to help stop dog bites and protect your letter carrier. So those are important news to know about you and your dog. And these are all dogs. If you're a cat owner, I don't think cats and mail carriers get into too many confrontations. But dogs and mail carriers do. And, as I said, in 2020 alone, more than 5,800 U.S. Postal Service workers were attacked by dogs in the year 2020. And we've got a listing of the top 25 cities where dog attacks occurred, and many of these are in the South. Many of these are in the South. Some, of course, are big cities. It makes sense why there have been so many attacks on postal service workers in these big cities. Some may be a little bit of a surprise. The number one city in the country for dog attacks on USPS mail carriers, Houston, Texas. They had 73 attacks on carriers in 2020. That's the number one city in the country. Behind them, Chicago with 59 attacks. Behind Chicago is L.A. L.A. had 54 mail carrier attacks in 2020. Cleveland is at four. Denver, five. Maryland's Baltimore. City of Baltimore had 43 dog attacks. That is the sixth most amount of attacks on mail carriers from dogs in the country. Dallas, Texas is at number seven with 38 attacks on mail carriers in 2020. San Antonio had 36 mail attacks in 2020. Louisville, Kentucky, a little bit of a surprise. Louisville would be the 11th ranked city in the country for mail carrier attacks by dogs. Louisville had 34 attacks. Kansas City, Missouri had 32 attacks. St. Louis had 28 attacks on mail carriers in 2020. And St. Louis ranks number 13 in the country for those attacks on our brave mail carriers. And they are brave. Not only do mail carriers have to worry about the dogs of the world coming after them, they got to worry about being hit by a car they got to be worried about getting into the sun so much because a lot of these people are on foot and it's 100 degrees outside, so they have to walk around in many cases. And in, in the wintertime, they're out there huffing and puffing when it's zero degrees in some of these cities. 
yeah, they've earned their money in in a lot of these cases. And, uh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be complaining when the mail, the price of a stamp goes up a couple of cents, especially knowing that more than 5,000 of them get bit by dogs every year. (laughs) Also in the South, Jacksonville, Florida, with 22 attacks on mail carriers. That ranks number 16 in the country. Miami had 21 attacks. That ranks 17th in the country. The state of North Carolina's Charlotte had 19 attacks on mail carriers in 2020. New Orleans had 17 attacks. That's the 21st most attacks in the country for dogs against mail carriers. Fort Worth had 17 attacks in 2020. Memphis with 16 attacks on mail carriers. Richmond, Virginia also with 16 mail carrier attacks by dogs in 2020. Tulsa and Oklahoma had 15. Arlington, Virginia, next to D.C., had 14 attacks in 2020. And those are a list of your big cities and dog attacks on mail carriers in 2020. As far as the breakdown of states and who had the most dog attacks, California did have more, almost twice as much as number two in the country, with 782 dog attacks on mail carriers in 2020. Texas was number two. Texas with 402 dog attacks on mail carriers last year. And then the only other southern state that's high on the list is Florida. Florida with just under 200 attacks on mail carriers in 2020. And so some helpful news to pass along here on the Y'all Show this week again as we mark this week as the theme, Be Aware Any Dog Can Bite. And it's all part of National Dog Bite Awareness Week going on throughout the rest of the week. And keep that in mind and don't forget to use that hashtag as well when you're out on social media this week and remind people that dogs can bite any dog can bite and often the dogs that are just the smallest cutest dogs going can be the most ferocious because they won't back down they're looking out for their owner i guess and we love our dogs but they can pose a threat just a reminder from your United States Postal Service. (laughs) That wraps up our coverage of that here on this Dog Bite Awareness Week. We've got more of the Y'all Show coming up after the break. Kobe Bennett's got a southern accent on the arts. You don't want to miss that as the show that's all about the South and a little customer service and public service as well thrown in for good measure. Stay tuned. Hey, catch us, don't forget, at 803-816-1170. And be kind to your mail carrier today. Maybe pour them a cup of milk and leave it by the fireplace. This is The Y'all Show. Southern Accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. Ever since the tragic passing of its iconic host, Alex Trebek, America's favorite quiz show, Jeopardy!, has been running a gauntlet of guest hosts that changes every two weeks. Last week saw acclaimed actress and neuroscientist Mayim Bialik run contestants through the ringer, and this week's host will be no different, as Savannah Guthrie, co-anchor of NBC's Today Morning Show, takes the podium. Following Guthrie will be CNN's chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. 
whose appearance will close out the month of June and go into July. After Gupta, expect the list of guest hosts to change on a weekly basis, starting with George Stephanopoulos of ABC's Good Morning America from July 12th to the 16th, with co-anchor Robin Robertson taking over for the following week. Star Trek Next Generation and Reading Rainbow star LeVar Burton will then finish up July. So get excited for this new Jeopardy lineup. This is Jeopardy. Entertainment headlines and more at y'all.com. All right, that's good stuff to know. And yeah, there is a revolving door of hosts right now if you like that game show. And so many of you across the South love your Jeopardy. And even though Alex Trebek, the Canadian, passed away, good Canadian, honorary Southerner, we'll go ahead and give him that title, the late Alex Trebek. This is the Y'all Show, and we got one last segment. Stay tuned for some headlines, and I'll talk about funeral music as well as we wrap up this Tuesday, y'all. I know you can't wait for that. Stay tuned. is your new official state official cultural song if you're in louisiana southern nights by new orleans native alan toussaint the jazz singer and that song of course covered by glenn campbell and now louisiana lawmakers making southern nights its official cultural song as the pelican state is kind of redoing a bunch of the songs in its repertoire They kept in Louisiana, You Are My Sunshine, which was co-written by the former governor, Jimmy Davis, as the state's official song. But both the Louisiana House and Senate struck the song, Give Me Louisiana, from the official songs list. That tune referenced old plantation days in its list of the reasons Louisiana is the sweetest of all states. (laughs) So just like Maryland, Louisiana is kind of changing up its song list and Now they've got an official cultural song, Southern Nights, sounding good there. Good New Orleans jazz. But I like that Glenn Campbell version too, don't y'all? He did a good job. I didn't realize it was an Alan Toussaint composition. Other news across the South with John Rawl. We are winding down this Tuesday y'all show. And how about in Brooksville, Florida? That's just north of Tampa, The city of Brooksville accidentally sold its water tower, and the new owner ended up giving it right back to the city. But what a screw-up, don't you think? They sold their water tower, and they were using it. A hiccup there from the property appraiser's office in Brooksville, and good on the owner of the property for deciding to make make it right and giving it back to Brooksville. 
good place there been through there had some barbecue in brooksville once and they are in the news because they made a mistake in fact that was the excuse given by someone with the city that we're human that was the excuse sometimes we make a mistake that's what city manager mark cudney said as he blamed the use of a bad legal description of the property for the city selling its own water tower to someone who i think wanted to put in a gym or something right there where the water tower was located in brooksville florida Arkansas has chosen one of its own to create the Johnny Cash statue for its place in the National Statuary Hall. The selection committee for the National Statuary Hall statues of Daisy Bates and Johnny Cash met, and the review committee recommended to the Secretary of State John Thurston that Benjamin Victor of Boise, Idaho, be selected to design and create the statue of Bates and also recommended that Kevin Cress of Little Rock be selected to design and create the statue of John R. Cash. And so these statues will ultimately be on display in Washington, D.C. The Daisy Bates statue I know is replacing a Confederate from Arkansas, and it was not going to ever get built until Walmart decided to throw in a bunch of money to get it created in 2020 and i'm not sure who or what jr cash his statue will be replacing but yeah right there new statues coming to dc and maybe that'll make nancy pelosi happy if you're a texan today is the last day to file your tax returns remember texas got an extension because of the awful weather there back in february But today is the deadline to file your 2020 income taxes. If you're not only in Texas, but also Oklahoma and Louisiana, as those states all got extensions. Now, Texas residents have until today to make 2020 IRA contributions. Filers who still need more time can request an extension that will give them until October 15th. So all you slackers out there, you better get on it. If you're in Texas, Louisiana, or Oklahoma today, a Memphian, a native of Memphis and a playwright, Katori Hall has been awarded the Pulitzer Prize for drama. Congratulations. She received the award for her play, The Hot Wing King. Now that premiered at the Signature Theater in 2020. The play presents a funny and deeply felt consideration of black masculinity and how it is perceived the play is filtered through the experiences of a gay couple and their family as they prepare for a cooking competition. Hmm. Quality entertainment. Hall is also an Olivier Award and Susan Smith Blackburn Award winner and a two-time Tony nominee in the Memphis native. Katori Hall awarded the 2021 Pulitzer Prize for Drama for The Hot Wing King. I should have been writing dramas. If I wanted a Pulitzer, I'm convinced though, I'm going to get a Pulitzer one day for what we're doing here at the y'all show. Y'all are going to help me get a Pulitzer prize, right? I deserve it because we make the South shine even more than hot wings. And we like our hot wings too here in the Southeast as we wrap up our headlines of this y'all show. And those are pretty much the headlines. So I'm going to leave that if you will there. And now as we wrap up, I'm going to tell you, 
about my Tuesday, or it was actually Monday. I'm thinking of my Tuesday meals today. But my Monday lunch consisted of me having a feast all by my lonesome. And I'm okay with that. I don't mind eating out on the town by myself. I actually do that almost every meal, if you want to know the truth. But I was having a great meal on Monday. And in addition to the delicious food, I got serenaded by some great music. And while I was having that meal, I got to hear my favorite song play over the speakers. And it was awesome. And I'm going to let you hear my favorite song played in this particular style. It's it's bluegrass. It's bluegrass of a song that many of you likely know. And I know it's not just my favorite song because I heard other people singing along in the background when I was actually enjoying my meal. And so this song, I know you probably have heard it. It's our it's our southern anthem, if you will. But uh, it was played while I was eating, and it was done in a bluegrass way. So let's uh, pull up the song, please. That's not it. Hard to find, actually. There we go. There we go. That's kind of it. That's not the actual. Yeah. Dixie is what I heard, and that's going to be played at my funeral if I have anything to do with it because it's been played at other big occasions in my life. And I like the song both upbeat and slow, and I want both styles played at my going-away party, if you will. But what made it stand out on Monday was not just hearing Dixie, the Dan Emmett song, but I also heard Rock of Ages. I heard that one played in a bluegrass style, and I like that song, and I wouldn't mind having that one played at the uh, farewell salute, if you will. So, yeah, you had Dixie, and you had Rock of Ages, and then there was one song, if I'd have heard it, I would have known I've already gone to the pearly gates. And luckily for me, I didn't hear it yesterday. I'm going to hear it one day, if I'm lucky. And my other song that would be more of a funeral style, or funeral collection for me that I need to be on the program for my uh, send-off would be the great Martin Luther composition of A Mighty Fortress is Our God. If I would have heard that one and that mixed along with Dixie and Rock of Ages, yeah, it would have been all she wrote for this old fella. And I'm okay with that because that would have been a nice way to go out. Well, I tell you what, this is a great way to go out on Y'all Talk with the Southern Accent, and I can't thank you enough for being along for the ride. We've got a fun Wednesday show coming up for you. We've got Jonathan Lifeite talking about the two ACC teams that are Omaha-bound. You've got both the NC State Wolfpack and the Virginia Cavaliers that will be suiting up in the College World Series. We'll get his report on ACC football as well. We'll mix in information on books, the latest bestsellers coming from the South. And then thanks to Advanced Local, we've got the most search spelling word for each of our southern states. Is your state looking for a certain word? We will tell you as part of our fun on the Wednesday Y'all show. All that plus sports, entertainment, and just everything that you get here on the show that is truly the South Show. And it is our pleasure to always cover it 
And we'll be right back here Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to wrap up this mid-June collection of programming for all y'all. Have a good day.